I don't Except know. Except for us, too. So my name is Jacqueline Kendall. Um, I also produce music and DJ under that name. Um, I make dance music, but I don't think that the music I make like necessarily falls into one specific category. And I don't, I'm not really interested in like defining myself as a techno producer or a specific type of producer. Um, music I make, I guess, tends to be, would fall into like an experimental techno category, but um, I think it oftentimes like blurs the lines between techno and noise and like my live sets tend to have a little bit more of like an ambient feel to them sometimes so I kind of try to like mishmash a whole bunch of genres into one. Yeah how did you start making music? Um, I started as a DJ. I've been DJing for I don't know like four years but only like seriously for the past few years um and then I think with a lot of DJs it's kind of like a natural progression to eventually start making your own music um that's sort of been a long time coming I've been doing it for a few years but I've only recently started like feeling comfortable enough to share my music with the public <laughs> how do you feel differently between DJing and like producing a live set How's the performance different? I just, um, well, I, I feel a lot more like creative making my own music. And I think it's a lot more personal. I feel like DJing in a way is kind of like, maybe like, I guess like, especially with mixes and stuff, you're kind of like telling a story and there's a lot more um, on the line, I guess, with like making live music. You just like, you know, if I'm, DJing at like a party or something and people aren't really dancing or like not that into it it's not that like big of a deal but if I'm like doing a live set and no one's dancing I'm just like whoa like this is my own music that I've made like do people not like it I don't know it's just it's more personal like I guess Um, or what is your earliest memory working with a technological advice? Um, well, I'm 27, so I do remember like growing up without a computer and without the internet. Um, I think we first got a family desktop for Christmas when I was like seven or eight. Um, I, I think I was a little bit older when I was actually like allowed to start using the internet, but I do remember being really into um, games. On computers like I really liked SimCity and like all of those tycoon games and stuff um, yeah I was a little bit more of like a shy introverted kid so I think I was really fascinated with like being able to create your own world with that kind of stuff um, and also I took piano lessons when I was a kid so my parents got me like one of those cheap electric keyboards from Walmart that have like a million different sounds programmed in them yeah, I love those yeah yeah they're really <laughs> it was really fun so <laughs> I practiced on that at home um, I unfortunately didn't really stick very far with piano lessons, but I had that keyboard for like years and years and I would just jam on it at home and just kind of like make weird music. Yeah, I think that's like my earliest memory with technology. Do you see any like 
connection between like playing computer games and making things as a kid and then like working in Ableton or whatever software you use and like creating like sonic work this way I think so yeah I mean I've always liked like fiddling around with stuff on the computer and sort of like teaching myself and I maybe that's why I liked those types of games when I was younger because it was sort of just like I wasn't really into like video games where there was like a set of rules and like a, um, a specific like conquest you had to win or whatever I just kind of liked these types of games where it was just like you got to create your own world and just do whatever so maybe that's why yeah I liked learning Ableton and stuff because it was kind of just like this program that I got and was just sort of like allowed to learn at my own time and like how I wished so yeah I guess there is some sort of correlation between the two yeah cool it's like yeah creation but it's not but it's not like a linear pro progress or like there's no you can't win yeah yeah exactly <laughs> I'm yeah I don't feel like I do really well with like yeah, like linear stuff or like when there's like an end goal, I just sort of, I like to do things at my own pace and yeah. Um, what would you say currently your daily practices in relation uh, to technology? Yeah, um, I'm definitely pretty much fully immersed in technology at this point in my life. Um, during the day, I work at a media company. Um, I do graphic design for them and also sometimes do like a bit of content for social media. So I feel like, you know, I wake up, I go on my way to work and I'm either listening to music or a podcast and then I get to work and I'm on my laptop using programs like Photoshop and Illustrator all day. And I come home and I work on music um, so I'm using Ableton or like hardware instruments. Um, yeah, so I feel like pretty much 90% of my day when I'm awake is some, using some type of technology. And that's kind of weird to think about, but it's just, I feel like it's the norm for most people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even just like using your phone for everything it's it's crazy you don't even realize how much you're on it or how much you rely on technology for everything yeah god we spent a lot of time in front of the screen yeah i think about it the most when i'm like going from work to home because i'm like i leave the office and i'm staring at my phone as i'm like walking to my house and i'm like what am i doing i just got off yeah it, yeah exactly <laughs> it's it can't first of all it can't be good for your eyes no and I, I feel like over the past few years, I've especially been like more addicted to my phone and stuff. And I'm, I'm trying to break the habit and like unplug a little bit, but it's, it's pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Increasingly, increasingly so. <laughs> um, what has your experience been thus far as a female identified individual working in a technical field? So... Um, both as a graphic designer and um, as a as a producer. Um, yeah, I think to talk a little bit about music first, 
I myself have been like pretty fortunate in that like most of my experiences have been relatively positive. Um, I feel like I'm for the most part surrounded by a lot of like a really good group of people who I feel like they believe in me and like support me, but there's always like instances like I don't know there's like little things if you're playing a show and you're setting up and like the sound guy is just kind of makes you feel like you don't necessarily know how to like work your own gear or just like you don't really know what you're talking about. Yeah, I think I mean, all the time where it's like I'd be like shocked to like if somebody didn't have like experiences like that, you know, it's yeah, it sucks that it's the way it is, but it is. I, I but I like I liked how you mentioned that it like makes you really aware of your gender. It's like mm-hmm. because you're obviously you're not walking into this situation being like think you're not you're not thinking first about being a woman and secondly about being a DJ or a producer, not, but yeah. that's the way that you're perceived as like yeah first and foremost this is like this is the way that you're perceived yeah it's like it's, by your gender rather than what you're actually doing it's so frustrating because you really just want to be yeah taken seriously and it's not always the case and yeah um have you found the technological or musical landscape um, to be like, oh, well, you say you've had a generally overall a good experience. Yeah. So open to various gender identities and practices. Um, like in what ways have you found it open and in what ways perhaps not? I mean, like in asking if I find it open to various gender identities, I would say like yes and no. I think the like specific scene that I would sort of like consider myself to be involved in, which maybe kind of more like experimental techno or or whatever, um, is like fairly open and um, like a lot of promoters within the scene, at least in Montreal, I think are aware of like the benefits of booking diverse lineups and like how that makes for a better party and like a safer party um and they do sort of like try to book accordingly and i know it's something that like they do think about um but i also feel like that has a lot to do with like there's been like a big shift in dance music you know like disc woman and like other femme run collectives are kind of like really pushing towards like diversity and equal representation within dance music um and maybe now promoters are sort of like aware if they don't step up and they're not like um they're not booking diverse lineups and people are going to say something so i don't really know like what what place it's coming from but i mean it's definitely a good thing regardless um but like with that being said i think there's a lot of like other sub uh, genres of dance music that like definitely aren't as open um i mean like let's say the more like mainstream like techno scene I think is very very much still like a, a boys club so yeah I think yes and no to answer that does okay the gender but I would also add 
race, ability, sexual orientation, um, any other kind of identifiers yep. uh, play a role in the way that you personally interact with technology or music? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that like that's something I wouldn't necessarily like to admit, but it definitely does. I think like maybe that's why it took me so long to sort of like feel comfortable like sharing my music and or even like starting to make music because maybe I felt like I wasn't capable of learning or like something like Ableton or, or just like hardware and like wires and all these things were too complex and I, I guess probably the reason that I, I felt that way is like has a lot to do with like systematic misogyny and sort of just like feeling like growing up in this like society where women are taught to believe that like they're not as capable as men with like specific skills or jobs or whatever um yeah and like like I said there's definitely moments when I feel like people don't take me seriously because of my gender like even you know sometimes going into an audio store like Moog or something and like picking up some stuff and sometimes the the men that work there can kind of like make you like talk down to you in a way or like um I mean this isn't something that happened to me but I do remember this person that I know telling me that they went to I think it was Moog actually and like was where they were buying a new turntable because they DJ on vinyl and this person's been DJing for like 15 years or something and, and is a woman and the um the guy the employee at the store like asked her if she knew how to like use it I don't know. It's just it's just stuff like that, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like small things that just really add up when you have to just like deal with them all the time. Yeah. And like in that situation where someone's trying to assert their power, it's like, what are they looking for? You know. Like yeah. She said, if she says no, like. Yeah, but they're gonna like offer to teach them yeah. or something. I know. I just I don't understand why. Yeah. It's none of your business. Yeah. I'm buying it. Here's yeah. Bye. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so, in your opinion, yeah. Um, do, are there parallels between technological advancement and feminism? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that like technology at this point in time is going to advance like no matter what. But I think as I like. As I said before, with like parties, it can sort of like be related to just technology in general. Like the more diverse things are, the the better they're gonna be, I guess. So like if there's women and men and like different races and classes like working on things, I just feel like they're generally gonna be like more well-rounded. I don't know if that really answers that properly, but no, yeah, that, that makes sense. Totally. Yeah, and this feminism play a way a play a role at all in the way that you make music or DJ or listen to music for sure yeah um, especially I think with DJing um, if I'm making a mix like for uh, to submit to a collective or for my radio show or whatever I always like I've made a, a conscious point to always try and include like a, an equal balance of music by men and like femmes and like persons of color. Um, so 
I definitely like keep that in the back of my mind when I'm like selecting songs, especially for mixes. Um, but it's like pretty easy, I think, because like most of the music I like and listen to, I find just so like happens to be by women or like persons of color. I think right now they're like making the most interesting music. And maybe that like goes back to like having to work when you're like part of a, a marginalized group, you just have to like work so much harder to get noticed. Um, so yeah, maybe that's why the music that they're making is so much better. I'm not sure, but yeah. So I think feminism definitely like plays a role in my making of music. Cool. So speaking of technology, technological advancement, <laughs> you are making a cassette tape. Yes. <laughs> so coming out on the Toronto label Summer Isle. Yes. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about the process of creating a tape? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I have a tape coming out through Summer Isle um, called Pressure Pulses, and I also have, they're making a compilation. Um, I believe it's all like current Canadian artists, so I have a track on that as well. Um, they're going to be available in November. Um, basically when I'm like making music, my creative process is just to like record like a bunch of sounds, whether it's like stuff that I use, like make on Ableton with like VSTs or like with my hardware instruments or even just like random sounds. And I kind of just like compile those into one big session on Ableton and then sort of just like arrange them into songs. Um, so yeah, creating this tape was like an interesting process for me. I had been working on music a lot this summer. I was kind of like dealing with the end of a like shitty relationship. So I just like found music as a really important and like soothing outlet for me to just like distract myself, I guess. So it actually like happened pretty fast, this particular tape. And I just wrote like, I wrote so much music this summer because of that. Digitally, yeah, for sure. And then you're put like will be transformed onto an analog format. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. It's <laughs> interesting how that happens. Yeah, like. No, it's. I think that's so. I mean, it's and it's not uncommon, but I think it's really cool. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um. Like. Uh, that's like. I, yeah, I don't know. I just think that's such an interesting way of using technology because it's like recording to tape is stupid. Like it literally takes forever, <laughs> and it's like and it does. It's just like it's not a, a really efficient. Well, and especially if you're making electronic music, like recording it to tape doesn't like make any sense. Yeah. So it's in this way where like the actual process of making the music and recording the music. It's been made so much more efficient through technology, yeah. but like the kind of like textural quality of the actually playing a cassette tape and like the tangibility of it, yeah, and like the aesthetic is still super relevant. Yeah, it's interesting to have like make like a super high quality recording on like a extremely powerful platform like Ableton, and then like then release it on something like a cassette tape which isn't necessarily known for having like the best quality of sound but there's definitely like a huge market out there for 
tapes and like tape culture so yeah i'm noticing a definite influx in like the for last sure three years or so and yeah i feel like is it also because it's just like more inexpensive than it's way cheaper yeah. yeah i think especially i mean i don't know necessarily but i i've heard that like especially in canada like pressing on vinyl and like is like so so expensive mm-hmm. so yeah like it's you can get like a great cassette for like five or six dollars you know so i think it's just like it makes it like accessible to a lot more people yeah yeah and like who wants a cd yeah <laughs> no i mean i don't want a cd like i'd rather just buy like a digital release of an album because like i don't like cd i don't want to say cds are like obsolete because i don't think they are but um, I think that they're like becoming obsolete. Like, you know, I got this laptop what last year, and it doesn't have a CD drive on it anymore. So, cool. So then, um, how do you consume music? Um, I try to buy my music directly from artists and labels like either from their band camp or their website or whatever um and that's just like something i guess more recently i felt like i've been able to do financially um but like i really feel strongly about music being accessible to everybody so like platforms like soul seek or whatever that like allow you to download music um i think is is a good thing um and like maybe to to justify that i'm thinking of like a scenario of like a dj downloading a track from soulseek and like playing it at a party and then somebody really liking it and then then going and like purchasing the album because of course i think it's like extremely important to support artists um but so yeah, like I, I feel really strongly about like paying for music, but I definitely see the benefit of like downloading it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah totally. That's a fine line. It's really right? complex, but yeah. Like, like even I mean of course I like I wish that I could pay for like all my music. And I I try to when I do use something like Soulseek, I try to only download like bigger like things from bigger artists and stuff and like support small labels and artists as much as I can mm-hmm. um yeah cool so what are you listening to right now um what I've been listening to a lot right now is this new compilation um uh, that was released by um two Montreal based artists Softcore Soft and Anna Bessine of um this like Montreal rave collective called Lagom um yeah, the compilation is called Power Puerto Rico. It's comprised of 43 tracks from 43 different artists, and 100% of the proceeds are going to be donated to the Hurricane Maria Community Relief and Recovery Fund. Um, I think so far they've raised like 1,700 US dollars, which is really, really amazing. Um, I think it's just like really amazing when like small communities of artists come together and try to like help a bigger cause. Um, yeah, because like especially in today's political climate, when there's like all these big guys who have like all the power and they're not doing anything to help, I think it's like really amazing when people who don't necessarily have a lot are like willing to give 
to um, to causes. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like over seventeen hundred dollars is seventeen hundred dollars. Yeah. That's totally Yeah. Yeah. Um if you want to purchase it, I think the link is powerpuertorico.bandcamp.com. You can yeah. buy it directly from there. I think the minimum um donation is I twelve US dollars, but you can give as much as you feel comfortable. So it's really cool. So I have this too, I support it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, it's a good like mix of different types of music on there too, so it's there's something for everybody. Gets a little heavier on the edge. Okay, and do you have any projects or events uh, coming up? Yes, um, I have a few shows coming up. I'm playing um, a house show in Toronto on Saturday. Um, I'm DJing at the Embassy Bar in Toronto on next Tuesday um, for Techno Tuesday, which is a really cool event that is run there. Um, and then in Montreal on the 11th of November, I'm playing at uh, Vitrola with Albright, um, Dust Belt, and Lusuria. Um, and then on the 14th of December, I'm playing at um, the Plant with Hero Cone, Wetware, and Isagla and unromantic as well, which I'm super, super excited about. That's a really great lineup and I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. And then um, other than that, I'm just working, I have two EPs that I'm gonna be working on. One is for this new label. Um, it's like an offshoot of Lucky Me Records, which is like a UK based label. And as well, one of my friends in San Francisco just started a new record label called Perfect Location. So I'm gonna be doing EPs for both of them. So just starting to work on those and get some ideas rolling. <laughs> How long do you imagine that's gonna, each one of them will take? Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess the one, I have until about June for the one. So I mean, I don't imagine these to be like finished by the end of the year at all. Like I'm just gonna start working on them, but uh, I'm hoping by June to have both done. We'll see. Yeah, it'll be a long winter.
This has been a production of the XX Files.